Have you ever been in an online meeting where it's just been an uphill battle to keep everyone's attention? Try putting yourself in Ben Cogswell's shoes. I'm sure many of us have been at a virtual meeting at some point, you know, now, but if you can only imagine 18 five-year-olds in a, in a Zoom, right? Ben is a kindergarten teacher who, like educators around the world, had to make a complete transition to teaching online when the pandemic hit. He's become a master at keeping his audience engaged. You know what it's like when you're running a meeting and there's someone who's obviously checked out and probably shopping on Amazon? Well, try managing something like this. One of my students, you know, he's just has a bundle of energy and he's in there running around his room, jumping on his bed. And and, and I, I did have to let him know, just like I would in the classroom. Sorry, buddy, I'm going to have to call your mom. You know, I really need you to sit down and learn. This is really important. And I know uh, once you get going, you enjoy it. But I need you to make sure you're focusing on your learning right now because it's really important. Wouldn't that be nice if the next time you were in a meeting and someone wasn't paying attention, you could just say, hey, I see you surfing Amazon. I'm calling your mom. (laughs) If only. My name is Melanie Green. You're listening to Remote Works, an original podcast by Citrix. This week, a look at working and learning in remote and online education. Oh, looks like everybody wants to join. Uh, yeah, everyone wants to join. Um, mom, I didn't necessarily want to, but mom. Right, right now. All right, hold on one second, guys. Can Sunny? Can you go get my earbuds from by my uh, that my bedside table, please? No, those are different ones. Sorry. Okay. okay. They're plugged into my iPad. Cogswell is a kindergarten teacher at Barden Elementary School in Salinas, California. Ben lives in Salinas with his wife and four children. Hey, remember, guys, we got to have still bodies because we're recording the sound. And if we have a lot of uh, motions and squeaks, right, then the sound is not going to be as good. Okay. All right. Ben got interested in the potential of technology and teaching a few years ago when his school district handed out iPads to every student. Ben helped students get the most out of the tablets. Now, along with teaching kindergarten, Ben coaches other teachers on how best to bring technology into the classroom. So the weekend after his district sent kids home to learn during the pandemic, Ben was ready. He created a class Facebook page and YouTube channel where he posted daily morning messages. And so with that, Kinder Rockets, I hope you have a great day. Happy Monday, happy days of the week, and I'll see you later. So how does a kindergarten teacher use tech effectively? I've really had to think about, you know, I have 45 minutes with these kids, they're on the other side of the screen, and how do I really engage them, right? So I'm really having to develop more strategies and I'm, and I'm having to be more precise and I'm having to be very specific and really thoughtful of, of my content because I don't have them all day, you know, and, and I have this one lesson. And so that has made me grow as a teacher and being reflective. Ben's learned a lot about teaching kindergarten kids online over the past few months. He's figured out the four rules that can help engage young minds and that can help us all as we navigate remote working.
Rule number one, keep your remote meetings to a manageable size. Ben divides his class of five-year-olds into two groups and runs activities for one group in the morning, one in the afternoon. Usually I have 28 students, so anywhere between my my groups are anywhere from about nine to um, 18. Rule number two, take advantage of the benefits of going digital. For example, we're going to do a writing activity. And so the kids would be engaged with writing like a normal traditional kindergarten writing activity where they're writing on pencil, we're doing it together, we're going through the sounds, we're going through the letters. But where technology really can take that is now the kids are having to read it to a device. Well, hmm, that doesn't sound like it really helps that much, but does. Because if you really think about it, okay, they just wrote this thing and they're in kindergarten, they're having trouble reading it. And so if they maybe read it to just their peer, maybe, sometimes they do great, sometimes they don't. But when all of a sudden they're having to record their reading, it really shifts it a lot for these students. Now, they can record multiple times, they can practice multiple times, they really want to be aware of what they're doing and do their best. Rule number three, keep lines of communication open with upper management, or in Ben's case, parents. Overall, I would say my retention is fairly good, but it's taken a lot of daily communication with parents. It's taken a lot and and it hasn't been easy. Rule number four, tap into each other's experiences and emotions to forge a powerful connection. I did another fun activity where, you know, uh, for Mother's Day, where that gave them some different pictures of places that they could go like the spa, Disneyland and narrate it and just hearing those cute videos where the kids are in this picture with their mom and describing how they want to treat their mom at Disneyland. And some of them were in English and some of them were in Spanish. And I don't think it would have been as precious if I was in the classroom listening to those. But because I'm not just listening to those videos, it really, it just gives me goosebumps. And it's just amazing. I love seeing their uh, family activities and family involvement in those things. By applying these rules, Ben has done what many have thought impossible, successfully engage a group of five-year-old students online. While Ben Cogswell has become adept at working with the students online, many in the education system have yet to discover the potential of digital learning in the classroom and beyond. That's where Amy Valentine comes in, Amy is the Chief Executive Officer of Future of School, a national nonprofit focused on educating teachers and students about the impact of technology on their lives. Amy calls herself an education evangelist. Not only has she dedicated her life to exploring the applications of digital technology in education, she's a mom. And right now, she's seeing her son realize the potential of online learning. So I'd like to share a brief story about my son. He's in the sixth grade. He is at a local charter school and they had access to technology in the school, but they definitely were not prepared from a training perspective for the switch to crisis schooling and remote learning. And he is very much a visual learner and he's also very tech savvy, but the shift in the change was challenging for him because it was so different from what he was used to. And in history, his teacher was on the immigration unit And the assignment she assigned to them was to do a reading in their book around your ancestors and then to interview a family member about your heritage and when did your ancestors come to the United States and to document that process, to add any details you wanted. 
And my son did his research, did his reading, decided to call his grandfather, whose parents came from Italy, had an amazing conversation with him and took really copious notes. And we're, we're talking about a kid who normally doesn't take copious notes. And out of that experience, my son said that that was the favorite assignment that he did since he left school, since he left the brick and mortar building. And his teacher, when I sent her the pictures, it brought tears to her eyes to see her students so engaged in the assignment she gave them. And that's one where technology is the conduit, but the conduit was the phone. And the book was online, but it's really about coming up with creative ways to get kids engaged in content that's personalized, where it's applicable to them. And they can express their own passions about what they're learning and reading and hearing and put their own summary because they have a connection to it. And I think that's where the future of school is heading is differentiated instruction, student-centered learning, personalized instruction. That's where technology is a great advantage. And now, more than ever, educators need to understand what kind of world their students are graduating into, an online world. There's a fair amount of reports out there that talk about the challenge that business owners and business leaders have had for the last 10, 20 years in identifying a ready workforce because society has changed and evolved in these very deep technological ways. But when we look at our traditional schools, they've existed in a very similar way that they have for the past few hundreds of years. So as society has been evolving and growing and being catalyzed by technology, high school graduates are graduating with the same skills that they've had. So it's common knowledge that there's been a disconnect between the needs of the workforce and the skills that kids graduate from high school with and sometimes from college because so much is learned on the job. The jobs of, it's very hard to forecast what the jobs of the future are going to be, especially now. While we can't forecast what the jobs of the future are going to be, the last few months have proven the need to think differently and enable people to work and learn remotely moving forward. The biggest takeaway to me of COVID-19 and of this very unfortunate pandemic that we're facing right now is the hidden flame that's burning in people's minds and you know burning deep within them around maybe there is a better way. Maybe there is a different way. Maybe we can reimagine what education and school looks like because at the end of the day, it's our duty and it's our challenge to figure out how can we support kids? How can we support teachers? So never before has the role of a teacher been ever more better understood or more visible, more relevant, more pertinent. And when we look at the future forward-thinking role that technology plays in schools, teachers are the driver of it. For Amy Valentine, it's vitally important that elementary and secondary education offer students better ways to access and understand technology. It's about being equipped for the future. And as students move into the future, into college and university, it becomes even more clear that engaging in online learning can be a huge asset. In the post-secondary world, remote learning and working has been taking root for a while. 
Over 600 American universities have online degree programs. That's up from just 50 in 2014. The growth has been explosive, and that made it easier for students and employees in some universities not only to prepare for the future, but to adapt to game-changing crises. For that, we can thank people like Greg Tyson. Greg is the Chief Information and Technology Officer at Post University in Waterbury, Connecticut. I was brought in two and a half, three years ago to do a complete technology overhaul and transformation um, for the school, which was very timely. (laughs) Coming into a pandemic, we had a pretty good infrastructure in place to meet the challenge of the new normal. Post-university had been thinking about evolving work styles and have been working to build their technology infrastructure to match new ways of working over the past few years. From a technology perspective, people's style and behavior and desire to work from home and other locations, we're seeing that more and more. The traditional workspace has been changing. So all of these things came into play as we were picking technology solutions and enabling that. Their technology had to be updated to match these changing work models. Previously, we had traditional desktop equipment connected to our network. It was becoming antiquated. It was time to refresh or come up with a new solution. Greg and his team explored virtual desktops to give employees the app and desktop experience they need to succeed. So the the virtual desktop environment from Citrix, basically the applications, the desktop are in a hardened data center up in Boston and accessed from anywhere. So we have a virtualized terminal, makes it very easy for us to deploy new applications. So post-university had the infrastructure in place to transition when the pandemic hit. My name is Jeff Olson. I'm the vice president of student experience at post-university. So we went from 50 remote workers to, if you include faculty, almost 1,200. From 50 remote workers to more than 1,000 is impressive. But here's the kicker. Greg, Jeff, and their teams managed the transition in just four days. When this situation arose, it was was fairly seamless for us to to transition those folks. They just took their their terminals with them. a 50-foot Ethernet cord, headphones, and we were able to make that transition fairly quickly within just a few days. The technology made it easy, but then we had to keep talking through, you know, even though there were lots of people working from home, this version of working from home is still different because they're now working from home with their children in the house or their spouse working at the same spot or new added stress and pressure and uh, chaos around them. So we developed a whole bunch of resources, distilling them down from all of the things that are out there and finding them uh, and creating a consumable package for our leaders as well as our associates to help ease them through that entire transition while easing them into through this pandemic. And the technology being the glue that pulled that all together. Connectedness doesn't come from physical proximity. That may be the most important lesson we've learned from adapting to the pandemic. I think we've really keyed in on what makes a connection authentic and the physical presence, although that enables it quite easily, isn't always the end all be all to being connected to another human. And we're really experiencing it through this pandemic. So the future 
very much will, in my opinion, be different because we're going to focus on how we connect to other human beings, to that empathy piece and to that whole building a team piece. And it's not taking for granted the physical uh, proximity. It's something else. It's that effort and energy and communication that you bring to the table that truly builds that connectedness that people seek. So post-university was more prepared to transition to remote working and learning when the shelter-in-place went into effect. But not everyone's experience is the same. Allow me to introduce you to... Hi, I'm Bill Stegner. I am the Virtual System Specialist at Butler County Community College, located in Butler, Pennsylvania. Bill Stegner had a couple of big challenges to deal with. Pre-pandemic, only about 5% of the college's classes were online. And then, back in February... Around February 16th, we got hit with ransomware. Brought down, it targeted our databases and anything with large amounts of data, our file shares, anything that was pertinent to running the the operation. Uh, Luckily, we have a backup solution and we were able to restore everything back to normal in about a day and a half. We worked over 24 hours. There's a bunch of us that worked about over 24 hours to get that back up. And uh, we were able to successfully recover 99% of the environment. On the heels of dealing with their ransomware attack, Butler, like campuses around the world, got the news that they had to move all classes off campus. So within like three days, the decision was made, we're going to go all in, get the semester finished, and put everything to online learning. I would say the biggest challenge was, of course, uh, teaching people how to use all these new technologies that they're not used to. To Bill's credit, and the entire team that worked around the clock, they did it. Butler County Community College went online. It was pretty remarkable. We had it up and students came back from spring break and they were able to do all their work and and finish up their classes, which ended the first week of May. Despite the tight timelines, Butler has been able to provide a great educational experience through their digital workspaces. For students, uh, we deploy three desktops. There's a vanilla Windows 10 desktop that has just basic office and everyday software that they use to complete their schoolwork. We also deploy a CAD desktop that has NVIDIA grid cards attached to it, and it has Autodesk, a Mastercam, and SolidWorks on it. They can sit at their home, they can sit at sheets, and remote in and and do their schoolwork without uh, any hiccups. And the biggest surprise for Bill in the quick shift to online learning The biggest surprise was the ability for people to adapt. I mean, we had to transition from 5% to 100% online activity within a a week and a half. And it all came together. I didn't get any word back to me that there was any huge hiccups other than people losing internet connectivity or something like that. But that's good news because typically in the IT field, if you don't hear from anybody, everything's working fine. So what have the teachers learned from this experience? Well, scholars who study education and technology have been watching this singular event unfold and trying to figure out how it will impact remote learning going forward. 
My name is Tony Bates, and technically I'm retired, but I'm also a part-time senior advisor at the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, and I'm also a research associate for Contact North. Tony Bates is based in Vancouver. What I would say is that this has been a huge learning experience for faculty and instructors. Um, I think that some of would have moved online and found it worked tremendously well for them. Others will have found it a total disaster. But I suspect the majority are in somewhere in the middle where they've learned that some things work very well and other things don't. And beyond the tech, Tony Bates thinks that we need to train and develop the teachers and faculty who will be the face and voice of education. Well, I think the priority should be faculty development. If we want students coming out with the knowledge and skills that they require to boost the economy in a digital world, then we, we, we need to train our faculties. It's a human resource development issue here. For students, Bates sees many benefits of remote learning, including its potential to develop more sophisticated and soft skills to prepare students for the real world. I think the big challenge is that we need to focus much more specifically on developing skills such as problem-solving, critical thinking, good communication skills, not just written skills, but oral skills, working good communication skills digitally, for instance. Not just because business needs that, but because individuals need that. From sounding out the alphabet to finishing college, from education evangelists to system specialists, we've been schooled in remote learning. As the education world changes, just like the world of business, the more we talk about it and share our experiences, the more we learn from each other. I can just imagine that there was one listener with headphones on jumping on the bed. Sorry, buddy, I'm gonna have to call your mom. You know, I really need you to sit down and learn. Don't worry. I'm not going to call your mom. We're all friends here. I'm Melanie Green. You've been listening to Remote Works, an original podcast by Citrix. We'll be back next week with an episode with the San Francisco 49ers. Find out how ace defensive lineman Eric Armstead is working and working out remotely, getting ready for the new season. For more best practices, lessons learned, and the realities of supporting and enabling a remote workforce, Visit citrix.com slash remote works. Back with more next week. Hold up. 